0: We turn to number 397, as we prepare to hear God's word tonight, number 397, breathe on me breath of God, fill me with life anew, that I may love what thou dost love, and do what thou wouldst do. We're going to sing all four verses of 397, let's stand together as we sing. Tonight, God's Word comes to us from first Peter chapter one. First Peter one. We are going to pick up our reading at verse thirteen and then read through verse twenty-one of this chapter. First Peter one, beginning at verse thirteen, what we hear now is God's word. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct But with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God." Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, after spending several weeks on the introduction to this letter of 1 Peter, tonight we come to the body of the letter. You recall the introduction, Peter was giving words of encouragement to the elect exiles. He was reminding them that they were those who were found in Jesus Christ. They were elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ. He reminds them who they are because of who God is. They are those who had been born again by the power of God. They are those who had received an imperishable inheritance. He writes to give them encouragement, and he says, I recognize, I recognize that now, for a little while, It may be necessary for you to be grieved by various trials." He says, even that, even that is for your benefit, that your faith might be tested and shown to be true. He says, don't forget who you are in Jesus Christ and reminds them at the end of the introduction, reminds them of the glories of salvation and the glories of this salvation that even angels would long to look into, a salvation promised already in the Old Testament, a salvation declared to them, a salvation which they now enjoy in Christ Jesus. Therefore, verse 13, therefore, in light of all of this, what does he want to say to the churches? In light of who God is, in light of what he has done, How does he continue his word of encouragement and also now instruction to them? He gives them a call. A call to holy living. He's gonna gonna flesh out that holiness later in the letter, more specifically, but now just very generally, Verse 15, He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it's written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. That's Peter's call to the churches. A very practical, a very real call to how they would live, knowing that they were children of God, knowing that even in spite of the trials they were going through, God is still in control. And God had saved them and therefore they should live in a way that brings glory to him. A call to holiness for the churches, a call to holiness for us. And he roots that call to holiness in God himself. They should be holy because God is holy. Look at verse 14. He says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. As children of God, they have a father who is a holy father. Now we know, even in this life, children tend to look like their parents. They tend to look that way. In fact, if a child is born after we get, you know, is everything fine and how big are they and and, and what's their name? One of the first questions we ask, and who do they look like? Look more like mom or look more like dad? As you know, we recently had a granddaughter. And as we got the pictures, I said, that looks exactly like Kristen. That looks just like our daughter. But I'm willing to bet Jordan's folks said, oh, that looks just like our son. Looks just like our son. But we expect the child to look something like the parents. We expect there to be a resemblance between the parent and the child. You have a father, Peter says. A holy father. A righteous father. It is only proper, it is only right, that we should expect you to look something like him. The call to holiness. As obedient children, don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, because you have a Father in heaven, a Father who is a holy Father. And beyond that, your father is also a righteous judge. Verse 17. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile. We have a father who's not only holy, he is also a judge. And he's an impartial judge. He will judge all impartially. And we would would expect that from God. He does not show favoritism. Simply because we are a child of God is no excuse for disobedience. Well, it is the same in this life. Uh, The the police officer's child still has to obey the law. They're still held accountable to the law. Uh, You can ask my children about this one. The minister's children still have to learn their catechism. There's no special pleading on their part. Well, my dad's the minister. No, they still are obligated. We have a father who is a judge, an impartial judge. And so so Peter says this very interesting phrase, verse 17. "He He will judge each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Now, when he says, throughout the time of your exile, he is referring to their time here on earth. As a reminder that for those who are found in Christ Jesus, our eternal destiny has been set. We have no fear for what will happen after this life. Jesus Christ has come and fully paid for all our sins. But he says in this life yet, we need to live with a sense of fear, a sense of of offending this righteous judge. Because even though our sins in this life can be forgiven, there are still consequences. The way we live has consequences in this life. Any sin. Boys and girls, any sin can be forgiven. But it doesn't mean all the results of that sin go away. Even even something as terrible as someone who might might, uh, maliciously take someone else's life, that sin can be forgiven. But the other person is still dead. There are still consequences for our sin. So he says, remember... Remember who God is. He is a God who is your Father. He is holy, so you should look at least something like that. And He is a God who is a judge. And He judges impartially. And therefore, in this life, live in a way that will will bring glory to Him. No fear for eternity. But in this life, there are consequences for our sin. And He says then in verse 18, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Remember who God is. He is your Father, He is a judge, but He is also the Redeemer. He is the one who paid the ransom for you. A ransom paid. We were bought at a price. What was that price? It was not, Peter says, gold or silver. It was not the precious things of this life. We were bought at the price of the blood of Jesus Christ himself. He shed his blood that we might have life. And Peter says that, that reality, that truth should then motivate you to holy living. Knowing you have been bought at a cost, at a price. Jesus Christ died so you could live. When we become casual toward our sin and and think our sin is really no big deal, it took the cost of the blood of the Son of God to wash that sin away. That should encourage us to a life of holiness. He says, you were redeemed from the futile ways of life. Redeemed from the emptiness. Redeemed from the worthlessness. A reminder also that it is only as we are found in Christ that our life has any meaning. Only as we are found in Christ. You can uh, work hard, you can rise the corporate ranks, you can do wonderful things, but if it is without Christ, it is worthless, it is futile, it is meaningless. But when we know Jesus Christ, whatever work God calls us to do, wherever He places us, low or high in society, it all has meaning. Because we've been redeemed, redeemed by God himself, redeemed from the futile, empty, worthless things by the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 20, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so your faith and your hope are in God. Again, that theme of be assured, be encouraged, and that is found in God himself. Your faith, your hope are found in God. The one who perfectly worked out his plan of salvation, the one who, as we saw last time, was prophesied already in the Old Testament, but revealed fully in the New Testament, and now declared to the churches that beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ. Who he is, what he has done, that is still declared in the churches today. Today, once again, we call you to faith and repentance. We call you to trust in Jesus Christ, God's Son, planned from before the foundations of the world to come and to save a fallen people. Put your faith, your hope, and your trust in him and be redeemed from the waste, from the worthlessness, from the futile ways of life and be encouraged in this wonderful call to to look like your Father, your Father who is holy, be holy because I am holy. I have on the outline here the process of holiness and I'm really not happy uh, with that phrase but I couldn't find a better word that tried to convey what I was saying. The the, the idea I wanna say is holiness is not a one-time thing it is an ongoing process in our lives. Holy, not unless it's not something that happens once and then we're, we're done with it. It's an ongoing process. And so, he says in verse 13, Therefore, preparing, that's an ongoing thing, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Preparing your minds for action. And Peter uses just a beautiful phrase here. Uh, it's translated this way, preparing your minds for actions. of you might have a footnote in your Bible. Uh, a more literal translation is, gird up the loins of your minds. Gird up the loins of your minds. Now, what in the world does that mean, kids? When this was written, uh, they would wear very long and flowing robes. And and they could not run well in those robes. If you wanted to run somewhere, what you had to do was kind of of pick up the bottom of your robe and kind of tie it around your waist, and then you could run and go somewhere. To be prepared for action. That's what he's saying. Gird up the loins of your minds. Be prepared for action. Use your mind as you prepare to serve God and to pursue holiness. Holiness. Now that's that's very countercultural to what we hear today. What you will hear today is that religion Christianity are for those who can't think for themselves. For those who have to be led, for the weak-minded. Peter says Prepare your minds for actions. Don't check your brains at the door. And certainly, don't try to empty your mind of all things. Again, that's the way of the cults. Empty your mind of all things. And then we'll tell you the truth. It's maybe contrary to everything you've ever learned before. But empty your minds. No, Peter says, prepare your minds. Get ready. Think. Learn. Prepare as you get ready to serve God and pursue holiness. Sometimes the uh, Reformed faith and Reformed churches are charged with being too uh, cerebral, too mind focused. Peter would say that's absolutely appropriate. <laughs> Prepare your minds for action. Uh, yes, there certainly is a matter of our hearts loving God and embracing Jesus Christ with heart and soul and mind and strength. We don't check our mind to the door. We don't put them in neutral. But we prepare our minds, prepare to listen, to learn what God would reveal to us so we can pursue holiness as he has called us to. He says, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, again, this ongoing idea of being, continually, continually being sober-minded. Being self-controlled. Not, uh, not drunk on the things of the world. But being self-controlled in your thoughts. Knowing that, that, that even our thought life. Is subject to God and our thought life is called to holiness. Not just the external things, not just the things other people can see. But even our thoughts to be to be sober, to be disciplined, to be self-controlled. What is it that we set our minds on? What occupies our minds? Is it our desires? our pleasures, or or, are our our minds occupied by the things of God, by pursuing that which He would have us pursue, not distracted by all the the base things around us. Paul will say in his letter to Philippians, and we saw this a couple weeks ago when we looked at Philippians, Philippians chapter four, finally, brothers, whatever is true Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Being self-controlled disciplined in our mind, thinking about the things of God, preparing ourselves for holiness. This is the process that goes on in the life of the believer. Preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope firmly on the grace to be brought to you. Set your hope on the grace of God. Again, this this ongoing encouragement for the people. Yes, you may be going through trials. Yes, you're going through difficulties. But your hope is not in this life. Your hope is not in what you see around you. Set your hope on the grace of God. Focus on this. Let this beautiful truth fill your mind. That our hope is not in the things of this life, but our hope is in God himself focus he says we think about um, the focus it takes to to be great at something if uh, if a a small child wants to be a great baseball player well they focus on that and and they read about baseball players and they throw the baseball and they hit the baseball they do all these things you think of uh, uh olympic athletes whether they want to or not They they train, and they train, and they train, and they train, they focus, focusing on their goal, focusing on their hope. He says, focus on the hope that you have in the grace of God. Let that beautiful truth fill your mind, and that, that ongoing focus will lead to a desire for holiness because of what Christ has done. When you reflect upon his sacrifice, when you reflect upon his goodness, his love, his compassion, his free gift of salvation secured for you, focus on this and set your hope, not on the things of this life, but set your hope in the grace of God. He calls them to holiness. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct as it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. What is the nature of holiness? What does holiness look like? Holiness in Scripture really has two parts to it. Uh, the first part of being holy is being set apart from sin. God is a holy God. We read that this morning from 1 John chapter 1. God is light. In Him is no darkness at all. God is set apart from sin. God is a God who hates sin. God is a God who does not understand sin. It is an offense against him, an offense against his majesty, and an offense against his holiness. He is wholly set apart from sin. That's what Peter calls us to to be set apart from sin. And you say, but, 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 as we live in this life, we are still fallen, we are still sinful, and that is true. What he's saying is don't make the pursuit of sin your intention. Make your intention the pursuit of holiness. Yes, we know we will still fall, yes, we know we will still sin, but our intention is not to seek after as much sin as we can get. Our intention is to be set apart, as God by His Spirit gives us grace, to be set apart from those actions, those words, even those thoughts. Pursue holiness. You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. That's the the call, that's the encouragement he gives to the church. Be set apart from sin. That's part of holiness. The other part of holiness is be dedicated to righteousness. Be set apart from sin and be dedicated to righteousness. God is holy, God is righteous, God is pure, God is perfect. Pursue these things. Holiness is not just about saying, no, well, I'm not going to do this, and I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this. Now, maybe those are good things we shouldn't be doing, but it's more than that. It's more than being set apart from evil, it is pursuing righteous living. Pursuing a life that is in conformity with the law of God. Remember who you are. Children of a holy Father. Pursue His ways. Pursue His path. That's that's our goal. That's our desire. A pursuit of holiness. And, And notice what he says. Be holy in all your conduct. Be holy in all your conduct. He doesn't say, Be holy for an hour on Sunday morning and for an hour on Sunday evening when you're sitting in church. He he doesn't even say, Be holy for one whole day in seven. Be holy in all your conduct. In every part of our lives. Holiness should be the character of our homes. Holiness should be the character of our marriages. Husbands, when you, when you speak to your wife would someone hearing those words say, Holiness characterizes this marriage? Wives, when you, when you submit to your husbands, would someone say, Oh, this is because of a holiness that God is working in them? Our marriages are to be a pursuit of holiness. Holiness wrought in us by the Holy Spirit because of the work of Jesus Christ. Kids, you're gonna be going back to school and your schooling should be characterized, it should look like holiness. It should look like saying no to the bad things and saying yes to the good things. It should look that way in your home with your parents, it should look that way with your teachers. Kids, when your teachers give you instructions, you you say, yes, I would love to do that. Characterized by holiness, a desire to do what is right, a spirit-wrought holiness because of the work of Jesus Christ. Holiness even uh, in our recreation times. We're just coming off summertime and there's been many travels going on. We're traveling this upcoming week. You know, we have time to do maybe some reading. Uh, uh, I'm not one who... uh, who goes to movies very often, uh, for a couple reasons, one is there's nothing worth watching out there, and the other is I'm a Dutchman, they cost too much to go to a movie. But, but once in a while, uh, you know, I'll, I'll try to watch something on Netflix, you know, and, uh, and, and you see the movie, and you know at the beginning of a movie, they will give you the rating of the movie. What's the rating of this movie? Is it a G movie, a PG movie, PG-13? And and you look at that, and and I think we have to remind ourselves that, that, that we look at those ratings and we say, you know, this movie's rated this, and that probably means there are some things in here that will not be very edifying for me. I would just remind you that the ones who are giving the ratings to the movies Are of the world. If the world is saying, this will not be very edifying, how much more for the child of God? The the ratings on movies do not come from God, they come from the world. And even the world is saying, you should be careful about this, then we as children of God who are pursuing holiness should be very, very careful. Holiness in all your conduct. Holiness in every part of life. That's that's the call that Peter gives the churches. He He has finished the introduction of the letter. He's reminded them of who they are in Christ Jesus. He's reminded them of the glories of the gospel. And therefore, because of who you are, now pursue this type of life because you are a child of God, because you have a Father who is holy and a Father who is a judge. Set your minds, get ready, prepare, and then pursue this this saying no to the ways of the world and this delight to do the things of God. That was Peter's call to the churches in his day. That is still the Holy Spirit's call to our church today. We cannot do it in ourselves. We don't well this up within ourselves. But God, by His Spirit, works in us, and the process continues. And so I I urge you, I call you, be holy, because God is holy. Live in a way, pursue a way that brings glory and honor and praise to Him. Let's join together in prayer. Lord God, you are holy. We recognize you are the only one who is truly holy. And you are thrice holy. We are, Lord God, your image bearers. And yet we know that that image is tarnished. And in spite of that, you call us to be holy because you are holy. Well, Lord God, strengthen us for that task. Gird up the loins of our minds. We might be sober-minded, thoughtful, disciplined, prepared to live in a way that brings glory to you. Oh, Lord God, we confess our weakness and our frailty, but you are strong and we belong to you and your spirit indwells us. So we pray that you might help us in this week to come, throughout our lives, in every part to pursue a life of holiness. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake, amen. We turn to number 400 in the Trinity Psalter hymnal. Number 400, gracious spirit dwell with me, I myself would gracious be. And with words that help and heal would my life in, would thy life in mine reveal. And in actions bold and meek would for Christ my Savior speak. Verse 4, Holy Spirit, dwell with me. I myself would wholly be. Separate from sin, I would choose and cherish all things good. And whatever I can be, give to him who gave me thee. We're gonna sing all the verses, number 400. Let's stand together as we sing. Receive the parting blessing of our God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.